talking with Evan the other day, and I was with another man, and Evan was trying to relay a, a story, and the other man was adding to the story, giving him a, a new bit of information to think about that would perhaps change his interpretation of the story. And Evan, being a, a five-year-old, said, huh. And the man looked at me, and I looked at him just kind of knowingly, and, went, and I started thinking, when did my son started that masculine, huh? And now I'm, I'm catching all the time where, and he, he's got it down exactly when a guy would normally go, huh? He does it. I'm thinking, where did he get that from? Huh. <laughs> and it's having two girls first and then two boys, it many times is very stark contrast the difference of what is what is typically male and what's not. Because it, it, it had dawned to me, my girls have never done that. And now this little guy somehow knows in his mind that he ought to grunt. And that is an effective and good way to talk with other guys and girls. <laughs> and and, it's, and it's just, it strikes me just what guys do, mas- what we call masculine. It doesn't define masculinity as much as it summarizes what most men do. Uh, and, and so that's, he's, he's fitting that, that mold. And, and I've started thinking, well, I guess I do that. I guess I grunt. I guess I, I have that acknowledging uh, sound. Uh, because he's doing it back to me. My, uh, my family, my, my parents have been spending uh, the last few days visiting Europe. And this is part of their birthday, Christmas, and everything else together combined. Uh, time with uh, my aunt and uncle. And went back to Ireland uh, and Scotland and to visit some of these places that uh, our family uh, comes from hundreds of years ago. And. And so it starts getting you thinking about that and, and how it is that there's a certain branch of Scots that go back hundreds and, and years and more. And, and how there, there must be some, you ever wondered if you go back uh, enough generations, is there anything you recognize? Is there any characteristics that you recognize? Any physical characteristics or how you do things? How it gets passed on and, and how you, if you go back, there's these, these common points of, of our biological, our blood, and our character, our genes, and, and uh, this is the stuff Jeff Haynes will probably just eats and breathes as a genealogist just to go back and, and to, to consider these things, uh, what's there, and how it gets passed on. Have you wondered about the church? How does the church pass on? How does, how does it go from generation to generation? Are there certain characteristics that, that carry on from generations ago? How, how will the church continue around the world? We understand it biologically, by family, uh, that there is done person by person, by impact of life, by impact of life. And when we start talking about things like uh, the Great Commission and, and sharing the church with the world and seeing churches reproduce in our community and in the world around, and, and when we start talking things like that, how does that happen? What was God's method of reproduction? How, how does the Great Commission work? We have a group going in, in Dearborn now. How does the church work there? We had some that came back just recently from Haiti. How does the church work there? We'll have some going uh, in a few weeks up to Toronto and, and to see about how, uh, how does the church work there? How does it grow? How is it reproduced? And the very simple next step is given to us in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1 and 2. And a secret is very much like how Evan learned to grunt. 2 Timothy 2, 1 and 2. And I thought this would be fitting as we continue our study in the book of 2 Timothy, with it being Father's Day, just to focus on these two passages uh, for this morning. And in honor of this being God's word, I'm going to ask that we stand as we read 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1 and 2. You then, my child, or the translation might say, you then, 
my son. Be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses and trust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. You may be seated. And that's how the church reproduces. That's how the Great Commission works. And that should be the primary actions of a church. Men telling other men the things they've been taught. Simple. Isn't it amazing how something so simple can get so complicated? That before long you forget exactly what we're here for. But here Paul is saying to Timothy, this is what you do. Now, you have that verse or that beginning says, you then, or some translations might say, therefore. You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that's in Christ Jesus. I believe that's the New King James translation. So it's very much following after what he just wrote. What did he just write? Well, in chapter 1, he brings out the example of, of Asia in verse 15. He says, aware that all who are in Asia turned away from me, among whom are, he brings out a couple of men who have rejected the pattern of sound words that, that Paul has been teaching in verse 13. He says, I've been given this and I want you to follow it as a pattern. Do it in faith and love. Do it by the Holy Spirit. But I am aware that there are many in Asia who are not going that way, who are turning. And I would say, men, there are many in Nightdale. There are many in Raleigh. There are many in our country who are falling away from the pattern of sound words, who are falling away from faith, falling away from love, who are falling away from the Holy Spirit and being submitted to the Holy Spirit. That is foreign terminology for many in our area. But you, therefore, be strong in the grace. And then he brings up an example, verse 16, of, 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 of a man who has been faithful throughout, who refreshed Paul, who went the extra mile to seek him out, who endured suffering of just associating with Paul in prison. May the Lord grant him to find mercy from the Lord on that day. You, therefore... Timothy, be like that and do not be like many in Asia. And so I would say fathers today, men today, whether you're a father or not, be like this. Though there are many who go against you, there may be one that you look to, that you count on and say they were faithful to the end. You therefore be strong in the grace that's in Christ Jesus. And so I say to you, the title of, of today's message is simply, Be Strong in What Matters. Be strong in what matters. And so what Paul is saying, this is what matters. Be strong in the grace of Christ Jesus. And so the first lesson I want you to understand, verse 1, and this is critical to the heart and mission of our church. If, if men, if we fell here, our church fell. Simple. If we fell with verse 1, the church fells in this generation, this community. Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, or be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Simply one, the strength of men is in the gospel grace. The strength of men is in the gospel grace. It's amazing how many times we see this idea that Paul brings out of being strong in the strength of someone else. We see this in Ephesians 6.10 when he talks about spiritual warfare. He says, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. And Colossians 1.29, he says, I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. So Paul himself says, I have the strength of someone else. And 1 Corinthians 15, by the grace of God, I am what I am, and I worked harder than any of the other, of the other apostles, though it was not I, but the grace of God that was working within me. When we talk about not having strength in your own flesh, not strength in your own might, that doesn't mean that you're to be lazy and passive. 
But it's instead to say there is another strength, there is another grace that I'm going to hold on and depend on to sustain me, to direct me, to give me hope, to give me a future. I cling to that other strength. I must have that other strength. Romans 15, 18, I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me. We see this repeated in Philippians 4, 13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And this was the strength to be content in any situation. How do you get content when things abound and things are less than abounding? I would say that in our church. How do we maintain contentment when, when, when things are growing and when things are not growing? It's through Christ that is our strength that we look to. In 1 Peter 4.11, whoever serves is one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that in everything God might be glorified through Jesus Christ to whom belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Hebrews 13, verse 20 now may the God of peace equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing the Spirit through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. You see it all throughout. Men, and this applies to women, we're to have a strength that's not of our own, but is the strength of God. How does that happen in our life? Well, uh, this past weekend I was with a, a, a team that came from our church to, to go to Dearborn, Michigan to work specifically with uh, Arabs and Dearborn and most of them being Muslim so uh, the task that they were working on uh, uh, Friday and most of yesterday was working up and down the streets uh, in the main section of Dearborn and, and weeding <laughs> weeding around the, the boundaries of, of trees uh, so it's just you know very rudimentary level work basic level work uh, but it was done with some larger meaning uh, at stake. And, and it's opening up doors big time in some of the leadership of that community. Uh, the fact that we're even there when there's no Arab festival because all the other Christians have been slamming them, sending hate mail uh, to the, the leaders of the community. Uh, and so they've closed down the Arab festival. And then there's this other Christian group that's doing something totally different. So it's opening up all kinds of doors, but I, I did the devotion for the, the group that was there. I was reading out Zechariah chapter 4. In Zechariah chapter 4, it has a vision uh, that's been given, and, and the Lord says in this vision, He says, not by might nor by uh, power, but by the Spirit, thus saith the Lord. And the point of it is, is that anything that's really going to happen of consequence is going to be done by the Holy Spirit. And so I was bringing that to everybody's attention, that as we do our work today, then we're going to be trusting in the Spirit of God to work. So uh, I, I finished that devotion. I was noticing after drinking a couple cups of coffee, I was, my stomach wasn't quite at, at ease <laughs> in, in Dearborn. And so I stopped drinking coffee, and I think, well, maybe that's it. And so as I'm, I'm working out in the day, it, it's not too hot, but it's very dry, uh, not much humidity. And, uh, and we're, we're doing a labor out there. I'm thinking, you know, stomach's not quite right. Maybe I'm just getting dehydrated. And so I'm, I'm trying to drink as much water as, as possible. It then becomes very evident that it's not just dehydration. All right? And I'm, I'm out. I'm just, you know, I've lost my energy and I've lost more than that. Uh, and so I'm just, I'm laying out in a car. I'm thinking, this is my main day of working. I can only work some tomorrow, but this, I'm here all day. I've traveled 13 hours in the car to get there. And I'm laying in a car because I have no physical ability. And so then it starts dawning on me. Uh, you know what? I kind of said something about that this morning. That it's not by physical ability. Maybe God's got me on prayer duty. And so I spend my time on prayer duty, realizing that's God's role for me. To help me understand in a very clear fashion, it's the Spirit of God that matters. Let me just say to you, men, we cannot be, listen, we cannot be strong in the grace of Christ Jesus if we are not strong in prayer. 
you, how do you make that connection? I'm going to be strong in the grace of God, but I'm not going to talk to him. You can't do that. I'm, I'm, I'm going to try to muster up all my abilities, but I'm not going to ask God for resources to help me do what God's called me to do. We cannot be strong in the grace of Christ Jesus if prayer is lacking in our life. Let me share something else with you. We cannot be strong in the grace of Christ Jesus if there is not much humility in our life. You know, you know one of the things that got me to the point of prayer? The fact that I could do nothing else. I'm just so weak. All I can do is sleep and slumber and go back and forth. It's like, God, I can't do anything. I'm not capable. I don't have the physical wherewithal. And I'm frustrated. I'm inadequate. And you know what I always was? Sometimes it just has to be blatant for me to recognize it. Guys, you have always been inadequate. We always are inadequate. It's just, are you able to admit that and receive the grace of God? I, I want to just bring to you a, a especially poignant passage that I think to, speaks to this. First Peter chapter 5 tells you, how do you have grace in your life? You want more grace? You know, grace is simply God's provision for you. To help you with life. It is the unmerited gift of God's help that he gives to the needy. How do you get grace in your life? Church, you want grace? You want God's help? Men, you want God's help in your life? Well, 1 Peter chapter 5. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. Now listen carefully. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. How do you get grace? By humility. First Peter chapter 5, verse 5. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so at the proper time, he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. So, men, you're, you're the provider. You're the defender. But you know good and well, there are sometimes we wonder, can I really provide? Can I really defend? Am I capable? And we get anxious about it and we say, God, Admit it, I can't defend, I can't provide, I cannot do what's required, I need you, I'm going to cast my anxieties on you. But you do that. So, here's the thing. It is rampant out there where people walk wounded because of the mistakes of their dad. If I had an opportunity to talk with you one-on-one, -on -one, chances are, Around 80 to 85% would share, you know, there's things I'm still trying to get over with my dad. Things he did, things he didn't do. Okay, well, I want to just bring a little news flash. No one had a perfect dad. No one will have a perfect dad. not trying to belittle I'm just bringing out some facts and I do not doubt the damage that's done there is damage that is directly tied to a father who's doing what he should do or not doing what he should do but the reality is is everybody's born to a sinner and so you know what's needed men is grace is grace. To know that as a father, to say, you know, I'm so concerned that I'm messing up my kids. Here's the reality. I am. I kind of got in trouble sometimes when I was trying to say this to Mother's Day. It didn't work out too well. But I'm going to say this to dads. 
We're messing up our kids. Because we're sinners. Here's the best thing a dad can do. Son, daughter, I'm not going to be perfect. I'm not going to do all that I should, and I may try, but there are moments and times when, despite what I want to do, I do what I, do, what I don't want to do, and the things that I don't want to do, I end up doing. But listen, let me tell you, daughter, there is a Heavenly Father that gives me grace and that can give you grace, and let me show you how I can confess my sins and know that there's grace. I am a man. I'm not perfect. I have my sins. I have my mistakes. But you know what that does? It points me to a redeemer. It points me back to grace. Every once in a while, fathers, you may have children that make your sins apparent to you. Maybe intentionally, sometimes unintentionally. And those intentional times, it's hard, isn't it? When they're intentionally making your sins apparent to you. Here's the reality. If they knew everything about you, there'd be much more to say, wouldn't there? When you pray for holiness, when you pray that you grow in grace, don't be surprised when God answers those prayers. By revealing your sins. And here's one of the things I'm learning. When people make sins apparent to me. Do it in my family. Do it outside my, in my church family. I say, well, well, God, thank you. I've been praying for holiness. This is how holiness can come in our lives. And we get God's grace. You see that? It is so apparent, necessary for us, if, if, if the church is to reproduce, that we are men growing in grace. Because to get to verse 2 of teaching someone else, you've got to get verse 1 down, that you are impacted daily by God's grace. You then, my son, my child, be Strengthened. It's a, a, it's a, the wording of that is a present tense. It's a command. I command you, be strengthened. It's passive. In other words, someone's got to do it for you. But it's present tense. In other words, it's ongoing. You know, when we talked about being saved, I've been saved by the grace of God, but I am being saved every day by God's grace. And I'm growing each day in the knowledge of God's grace is critical for me in my life. Now, let me just share a little bit about what it's not. He is not saying, men, be strengthened by the law of God. Because the law of God cannot strengthen you. You can have the Ten Commandments up in your room. You can have the Ten Commandments in your mind. But they do not give you strength to pass on the gospel. All it can do, it reveals God, His holiness, reveals my unholiness and thus condemnation. It does not give me strength. So consequently, if the law of God doesn't strengthen you, your own laws won't strengthen you either. Don't be strengthened by the, the code of conduct. Don't be strengthened by the code of manhood, of ethics. That's not what's going to do it. And men, you know we have our, our code of conduct. This is, whether it's grunting as an accepted form of communication, to work ethic, finish what you started, do the best that you can, to, okay, it's okay to rib guys, that's acceptable, it's fun. There, there's a certain code of conduct, but I understand there's no strength there. That's not how we're to grow. We're to grow in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Now, it, notice, it's in Christ Jesus. That's the sphere. 
That's where we get this grace. I want to talk to you about that. John chapter 1, verse 14 and 17 has this great passage. It says, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. This is, this is God, who is the word. The word was God. The word was with God. But the word became flesh and dwelt among us. This is unbelievable. God makes himself evident by becoming like us. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we've seen his glory. Glory as of the only son from the father. Full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. And from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. The law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. In Jesus there is grace upon grace. So here's the image of that, that what that means. Grace upon grace upon grace it's it's the the image of of what's being said there the little idea of what's being said it's it's like standing at the ocean shore and as you look out you see a, a wave come breaking upon the shore and rising the tide up it's you never think oh i wonder when the next one's going to come because just as soon as that recedes back another wave that's the image grace breaking upon the shore receding back only for grace to break upon the shore to receive back only for grace to break upon the shore in jesus christ there is grace breaking upon us by breaking upon us that is what we have in jesus christ and that is why it is so critical for men to be men of jesus to be followers of Jesus, to have the spirit of Jesus in them and have the fullness of Christ because when you have the fullness of the spirit of God, the fullness of Christ, you have the fullness of grace in your life. The fullness of God's help to do what God has called you to do. That's why we're not going to be strengthened by the law of Moses. We're not going to be strengthened by our own code of manhood. We're strengthened by God's grace. That's the difference between having a man who's just a hard worker but never is tender and loving and forgiving versus Jesus Christ who is loving, joy, peace, kind, gentle, yet self-controlled and can endure. Jesus is the picture of manhood. And for us to reach that picture of manhood, we must have God's grace, which means we must have humility to say that we're not that. For us to become that. And that's why we must be men of prayer. I think that's why it's in the previous book in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 2, that he says, I call men everywhere to pray with holy hands because we're to be men strengthened in gospel grace. And so, that takes us to verse 2. Read verse 2. And what you've heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, and trust the faithful men who will be able to teach others also. The work of men is to train men for Christ. The work of men is to train men for Christ. How does the church reproduce? How does it go from generation to generation, from location to location? It is because a man has taught another man the gospel of Jesus Christ, the things that he had heard from some man who taught him. Have you ever wondered why we have a church today? It is nothing else but the grace of God working in succession of generations of men for 2,000 years. And so the question always is, does it stop here? The Christian faith is always one generation away from extinction. It's always one generation away from extinction. 
the work of men is to train men for Christ. He is saying it's apprenticeship. Somehow apprenticeships got dropped out somewhere along the Industrial Revolution. Starting to be a lot more appealing nowadays of getting alongside someone else to learn a craft, a trade. That's the way that God's designed spiritual life. Getting along someone else to learn them. I got to meet a, a fellow He's in the western part of our state. His name's Chuck Campbell. I heard a story as working. He's a uh, uh, director of missions for an uh, area out in the western part. And got to meet him in one of our convention meetings. And he just kind of shared his story with us. Uh, he had a son at the time was 18. Uh, he's been a minister. He's been a missionary. Um, and when his son was turning 18, he started praying. And he just got gripped with this, this passage. And he realized never taught my son what it means to be a man following Christ. And he came and he, and he confessed it to his son. He said, son, I need you to forgive me. I'm reading 2 Timothy 2. And you are my own son. And I've not taught you what it means to follow Christ. Will you forgive me? And I know it's late, but will you allow me to teach you and for us to meet together to talk about what it means to follow Christ. And so that's what he did. He's in the process of, of writing a book called The Imperative of Christ. He sent me uh, some of the information uh, about this. He calls it the, the distinctives of Christ. Where he says, you know, when you look at what Jesus taught us to do, and there's some 200 plus commands that Jesus commanded us to do. And he summed them up between giving up and giving in, and giving out, and reproducing. Sums up all the commands of Jesus of giving up, giving in, giving out, and reproducing. Giving up, of, of surrendering your life, surrendering all, sacrificing is, is the giving up. And giving in to Jesus by listening, by abiding in Him, by uh, obeying Him. Giving out the light of Jesus Christ, giving out the love of Christ. Giving out by serving others, giving out by sharing your life. And then the final distinction is reproduction, where you reproduce your life. Which takes us right back to our text, doesn't it? So here's the question that's probably on your mind right now. Who are you teaching? Who are you teaching? Another way of saying this that maybe it connects with us. It, we look at it and it says, well, okay, teach what you've heard. And trust the faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Why if we said it this way? Train what you've been trained in and train others so that they can train others. So that's one of the reasons as me, not as a pastor, but again, as a follower of Jesus Christ, I'm under the command to train some people. And so are you. You are under the command to train other people. And, and so, uh, knowing that this is given to Timothy, the, the one of the primary people he's probably talked about, he mentioned in 1 Timothy, were some of the elders and leaders in Ephesus. One of my primary roles as a pastor is to train people that they may walk in, in the way of Christ Jesus. That's part of what this morning's about. That's part of what Sunday nights are about. That's part of what Wednesday nights are about. It's part of what some of my other times that I meet off times with other people are about. That's what the Bible says. That if you are a man in Christ Jesus, who are you teaching? If you were to die, is there anybody that would mourn the loss of God's voice speaking to them through you? Is there a void? that you leave behind if you're not there. So let me just bring out this. Disciple making means there's intentionality. And just because you have a son, or just because you have a daughter, doesn't mean necessarily that you're discipling them in Christ. You are discipling them. But are you discipling them in Christ? You might be discipling them to grunt. All right, I've got that down. Okay, 
But are we discipling them in Christ? Are you taking time out to talk to someone about what the grace of God is doing in your life? Are you telling them, and it could be just as simple as telling them stories that are given to you in the Bible. Let me tell you something I heard. And just tell them a story. And you may be saying to yourself, Pastor, I can't do that. I'm not qualified. Let me tell you what qualifies you. Verse 1. You're strengthened by God's grace. You say, well, Pastor, I'm not sure if my life is worth duplicating. Godliness is not the absence of sin. Godliness is not the absence of sin. Godliness is the abundance of repentance. So you may say, Pastor, I've done some pretty bad things. It may not be worth duplicating. But listen, if you have a life that is counting on the grace of God and repentance in your life, that's worth duplicating. That's worth duplicating. It doesn't matter the past. What matters is the grace of God working in your life. If you've got that at work, you're qualified. You're qualified. You've got something worth sharing. So it's intentional. It's not going to happen just by accident. It's something you plan to do. Do you plan to teach another man the things you've heard about Christ Jesus? I would say if you fail to plan, then you plan to sin. If you you fail to plan here, then you're planning to sin. Because it is a command for us to do this. Now, not only is it demanding intentionality, but it's a context of deep relationship. You know one of the things that stand out about men? We talk on the surface. You know what I'm talking about? Women, the women know what we're talking about. We just talk and we live in surface world. And rare is the man who will actually reveal the why of his thoughts. The why of his actions. And when there is a man that will talk about the why of his actions, then that man becomes a person of influence. If they have the courage to just talk about the why of the what they do. Think about it. You don't have to talk much about it. Just a sentence. This is why I do that. Just open up a little bit of the why. Because there's a lot of men who may never say it, but when one man shares the why of the what, they listen carefully, and they're looking for it. There's a context of a deep relationship. Who are the ones who greatly influence you? The ones who take the time out to be with you, to take the time to love you. So who are you taking the time to love? And the life around you. But listen, the content centers on the gospel. You can help people and have maybe open doors because you talk about how to tie knots. You talk about how to hunt, how to skin a deer, how to plant, how to work on cars, how to build construction. The lot of the questions that there are many men that are <laughs> they're longing for guys to share some of that information. So they go to the Google, because there's not a man. And so, understand that those are good things, but they're just roadways for you to talk about the real substance of what really man means. And that's the gospel. When we're talking in, in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1 and 2, we're not just talking about how to, how to fry a fish. We're not just talking about how to do a construction project. Those things are good. But those things are good in as much as they allows us to get to the point of how do we talk about the gospel? How do we talk about Jesus Christ? Isn't it interesting that when you think about 
fathers, usually we think about strength, don't we? You think about your mom, you think about nurturing. You think about your father, you usually think about strength. Maybe it's physical strength. You know, just you love it when the boys are so young, they think that you can do anything. And you don't want to disabuse them of that theory. You know, it's like, yeah, that feels good. But then as they, they go, they're older, it's, it's like you can endure anything. Maybe the man doesn't ever cry. Men, have you ever thought about why you're trying to be tough? Why do you have a good work ethic? Why do you want to demonstrate that? Does it point to Jesus Christ? Why do you want to present yourself as strong? Perhaps that some child will understand that there's a place of security. And so that child, you didn't understand, I'm only so strong. But there is one that you can be secure in. Yes, there's a little bit of security in me. But let me tell you about, someday I will be here. And sometimes things are greater than me. But there is one you can be secure in. It's in Jesus Christ. And the reason why I want to present security to you is because Jesus is secure security for me. And I want to be a shadow that points to him. I want to be strong because I want to take care of you, son. I want to take care of you, daughter. But I understand there is a way that I can't live. But listen, there is one who is strong for me. And there is no weight too strong for him. And let me point you to him. Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Use the technical how-to to point to Jesus Christ. So a few months ago, I discovered Duck Dynasty. See, I'm not the only one. Women, I don't know if there's many women that like that uh, show. I think it's trying to grow my wife. She doesn't want to admit it. Um, so these guys are, you know, long beards. We live down in Louisiana, and they're, they they make a big deal about that. They're they're. Uh, out in the wild, and somehow they, they, they hit it big money-wise with their uh, duck calls. But the worst insult is that you can be a yuppie. Uh, you don't want to marry a yuppie wife, you know, and that's kind of their deal. And, and so you, you watch this just to see their, their sense of humor because it's funny. Uh, somehow I, I think I know some people like this, you know. Uh, and, but at the same time, you kind of see how they live. And they, they're all huntsmen. They live off the wild, and, and they can do that, and their wife cooks everything. And, um, and so, my love at the end, Phil Robertson, uh, the guy that's the, the, the patriarch, so to speak, of this, he's very much a believer in Jesus Christ. And so they always end these shows with a, a prayer, a family prayer that points to Jesus Christ. And I think about that, and I think, this guy, I, I don't know if I want to define that as masculinity, because I don't want to be necessarily the long beard and everything else that he's called ads. And, uh, but I love the fact that he's using things that men can enjoy and say there's a Savior. There's a Jesus Christ. And using somehow even TV to do some of that. I think that's a great example I'm not calling us to grow beards and do anything like that. But I'm saying, do what you're able to do, what you're gifted at, what you're good at. The trades that someone's passed on to you, but use them as a road to take you to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Men, that's what we can do. We're not going to necessarily say, let's have a, a, a circle, let's get in a circle, and let's all open up our feelings and talk about Jesus. Women, that sounds great for you. And you think, what's wrong with that? And your men would say, I don't want to do that. But they don't mind working on, a, on an engine or working on a project or talking about work and use it as a road to talk about Jesus as you do that. Be intentional. Be gospel-centered. Not so focused on the motorcycle, not so focused on the hunting, not so focused on the sport. Understanding that the sport is just a tool to get to the real center 
of the grace of Jesus Christ and the things which you have heard from me share with others also. And so maybe your hang-up is right there. You don't know what to say to people. When I bring up the point, what you've heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, you think, you know what, I don't know if I really know much. Well, I would say that could be remedied. Part of it is just being here on Sunday morning and hearing the teaching of what Paul is saying, of what Jesus was teaching. Being in a, in a small group where you can learn some of that, but, but if nothing else, just being here where you can hear that. Or even better, you think, you know, you can have your own Bible and you can read what Paul wrote to Timothy. You can read what Jesus had us remember. It's right here. It's accessible to you. If you don't like that, you can use the electronic version. You can listen to it. But here's the one thing, the one commitment you've got to make. Whatever you read, here's the kicker. You ready? Whatever you read, you tell someone else. That's where we drop the ball. I don't mind reading. I'll read all day. I'll read the Bible throughout the year, and I'll do it year after year. I'll memorize it. I'll study it. But whatever you do, don't make me tell somebody. But what if the future of the church is dependent on you talking about what you've read? That's a problem. That's a problem. Interesting, in just a few chapters, Paul is going to tell Timothy, I want you to leave Ephesus. Chapter 4. I want you to leave Ephesus. I want you to come to me in Rome. So Timothy's thinking, well, which one do you want me to do? You want me to train people and you want me to leave? And the answer is yes. Because you are leaving, I want you to teach people. Faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Okay, man, here's a newsflash. All of us are leaving. All of us are leaving. I know we don't want to admit it. We live sometimes like that's not going to happen. But all of us are leaving. We may be leaving a wife. Probably we'll be leaving some children. We're going to leave a community. We're going to leave a church. We're going to leave your sports. We're going to leave your hobbies. We're going to leave those network of men that we go hang out with at Bojangles. We're going to leave them. Who will you leave? will you leave? Who will be faithful to teach the most important thing this world will ever hear? The gospel of Jesus Christ. Are you going to be content with the fact that you left some men that can talk about golf? That can talk about a car? That can talk about fishing? Are you content with that? I'm going to invite you to be strengthened by the grace of God. To say to God, I'm not perfect. I've messed up. And I continue to mess up. And I know that I'll mess up. And, and I'm afraid that if I teach some people, they're going to learn some bad things. But listen, if in the process of learning some bad things from you, they also learn grace, that's a good thing. Because they're going to figure out some bad things on their own. But will they figure out the grace of God? Will they figure out the grace of God? The beautiful fact that whatever happens in my life, God is for me. And God can be for that man. You know, our, our TV age always loves to make a buffoon of the men in our world. And you know, in a little comedy, there's always a little truth. 
okay, men, we can be buffoons. But it doesn't matter. Because there's the grace of Jesus Christ. Let the world see that. Yes, men make mistakes. We'll, we'll have our foul-ups, our mess-ups, and we can be selfish. And sometimes we're careless. And every man will be from thereafter. But one thing that men can hold on to is that there's the grace of Jesus Christ that whatever comes in my life, God is for me. So that buffoon that is on TV that everybody says, he's no good but to laugh at? No! God loves them! God is for them! Through the grace of Jesus Christ. Let your sons know that God is for them. And that if they will come to him, that God will work in them, not to keep them as they are, but to make them so much more. This Father's Day, men, your strength is found in the gospel grace. And why have God-empowered strength? So that you can train men for Christ. On June, I believe it's 26th, in the bulletin, there's going to be something called training for trainers. Specifically, how to share the gospel of Christ. How churches can start, not just buildings. Not with professional clergy. I don't think there's going to be enough money to build buildings to reach all the people that need to be reached. There's not enough clergy in the area to reach Raleigh. Men, we need you without seminary degrees, but with a heart emblazoned by the grace of God, willing to teach men. Not men who are already in church. Men who have yet to encounter the grace of God. One of the thoughts about the idea of elders is that there can be teaching of faithful men who will be able to teach others also. To have a durability of spiritual ministry. As I read this, it produces prayer in my life. And I think that might be a great way for us to come to a point right here. Let's pray. Thank God for grace. Pray for more grace. Pray for humility. Pray for prayers of men. And pray for gospel-centered conversations, intentional discipleship, men teaching men. Now, women, you've probably gotten the idea this applies to you. Women teaching men as well. Let's stand together. Let's pray together.